Hey, I am glad you're here, and uh, I think I introduced myself, but I'm Jason, the pastor here at the church, and uh, man, just, just really glad that you're here. First Samuel chapter 9, verse 15, this is what it says, now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. We'll get to that story in just a second, but we are in the third week of a series called How to Hear God's Voice, where we're searching the Bible to, to find these stories, these patterns, these ways that God speaks to us, and he does speak to us. I don't know how that makes you feel when you hear that phrase, God speaking, or hearing God's voice. I don't know your religious background or where you come from. Some of you, this is your first time in church and. 20 years. Some of you, this is your 20th time in church in the last two months. We are all over the spectrum, spiritually speaking. But regardless of who you are or where you are, you need to know that God is speaking to you. And if we will listen, if we will listen, we'll hear him speaking all of the time, all the time. Now, when we say God's speaking to us, we don't I'm not necessarily meaning the audible voice of God. I, I have been following Jesus for 18 years, and I, I say humbly that I feel the, that I, I read my Bible consistently and, and, and pray pretty consistently, spend time with God. And in 18 years of following Jesus, I have never heard the audible voice of God. I do believe that God speaks in that way. And obviously in the Bible, he spoke that way all the time. But they didn't have the Bible in the Bible. And so God spoke, it seems to be more audibly, but now that we have the Bible, it seems that he doesn't do it as much, but he does speak in that way. But in 18 years, I've never experienced that. But that's the beauty of this series because we're talking about six ways that God's speaking to all of us. Uh, and, and, and we're not talking about the audible voice of God. We're talking about six other ways. And the first week we talked about the Bible, the Bible. And that the Bible is the most consistent, reliable, healthy way to read the Bible. It's not just a book. It is supernatural. It's spiritual. And honestly, I'm not supposed to say this. I don't know. But it really doesn't even matter what you read as long as you're reading the thing. Because there's something supernatural about it. And we say all the time around here, when I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. And so we just want to get in that Bible and read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Because God speaks to us through the Bible. Then last week, Pastor John did an amazing job talking about desires. Wasn't that so good if you were here last week? Talking about desires. And, and the beauty of desires is that the, the things that we uh, lean towards or incline towards, the good and pleasing things in our lives that we're drawn to is a way that God speaks to us, that we don't have to somehow turn from that, but that that God speaks through the desires in our life, which I thought was just great. And so we have four more ways that we are teaching on through this series that God speaks to us. And this will be up on the screen, but I just want you to know all six of these. So obviously the Bible uh, desires people, which we're gonna talk about today, promptings, doors, and pain. So God speaks to us through the Bible, through desires, through people, through promptings, through doors, and through pain. These are all ways that God is speaking to us. And so today, for this third week, we're going to talk about people, how God uses other people to speak to us and how God uses us 
to speak through us. So God's not just speaking to us. Sometimes he is uh, he's speaking through us. So uh, again, I don't know what you think of. Like everybody has images that come to your mind when you, when you hear this idea of God speaking. And so I don't know what comes to your mind when I begin to talk about God speaking through someone else to you. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about God speaking through people is that it has to be mystical. And we've said this each week, and we will keep bringing this up because I think it's so important, that God speaking to you and to me does not have to be a mystical thing. It doesn't require candles or a trance. It doesn't require some kind of voodoo or some type of, like, it doesn't it seem that anytime somebody starts going in that direction, it just gets weird fast, you know? And the Bible just, we can see story after story after story where that's just not the case. It's just very normal, I'm air quoting that. So the Bible is not mystical, or, or God speaking to us is not mystical, but it is very supernatural. It's very supernatural. And God's desire for us is to be normal, again, air quoting, normal people who experience supernatural things. And God speaking to us is obviously Uh, It's obviously one of those ways. So God speaking to you through a person doesn't have to be one of those situations where it's like, you know, thus saith the Lord, or, you know, you grab somebody's hand and you're like, you know, it's it's not a mystical, it doesn't have to be a mystical experience. He just wants to get a message through someone else and he'll use friends and family members and spiritual leaders and sometimes complete strangers, sometimes, And the purpose is always the same. And this is huge. Please hear this. The purpose of God speaking to us, no matter what way he uses it, but especially through people, the purpose of God speaking to us is always to strengthen us. It's always to build us up. It's not about getting goosebumps. It's not about making somebody else famous or extra special. It's always about making God bigger and strengthening our faith, even when sometimes the message is not exactly what we want to hear, it's still to encourage us and to, uh, and to build us up. So today, we're going to look at God speaking to us through people and God speaking through us. Now, psychology would, would tell us, psychology tells us that every human being has four parts to you, four parts to you. Maybe you didn't know this about yourself, but you have four parts to you. Everybody does. The first part is the part that everyone knows. It's what you know about yourself and it's what others know about you. It's the public arena of your life. There are no surprises. Like it's what you know about you and everybody else knows about you. That you have a sense of humor or you're funny or you're organized or that you're comfortable speaking in front of people or it's just what everybody knows about you. That's the first part of your life. The second part of your life Uh, psychology uh, would say is the facade part of our life. It's what you know about you, but nobody else knows about you. And and this is where you say you're fine, but you're really hurt. This is where we kind of stall spiritually because we're afraid to engage at an emotional level with anyone else. This is where we fake it. This is where we hide out. And everybody has that side to you, that there are things about you that you know that nobody else knows. The third part of your life, psychology would tell us, is the blind spots in our life. It's the things that others know about you, but you don't know about yourself. 
right? This is like going through life with your fly down and nobody's told you. It's like having food in your teeth. It's, it's, it's those parts of like, you don't realize when you talk to people, you get really too close. Anybody know anybody that invades the personal safe zone, right? Like you don't know that. You're like I need you to take three steps back. Like you don't know that that's the case. You don't know that you're overbearing. You don't know that you can be annoying or mean sometimes. You don't know those things about yourself and everyone around you does. And if you ever gave them a chance to speak, they would have no problem coming up with some things to tell you, but it's what they know about you that you don't know about yourself. It's the blind spots. And then the last part of our life that everybody has is the unknown part. It's what you don't know about you and it's what other people don't know about you because it's things about you that haven't been realized yet or haven't been discovered yet. And everybody has that. And so as we talk about God speaking through people, we could, talk, we could go a million different directions because there's so many things and avenues and streams that we could go down. But what I wanna do today is I wanna focus on that third and that fourth part of, of our life that all of us have. All of us have blind spots and all of us have things that are unknown about us to ourselves and to others. And God so often will speak to us and speak through us to address those blind spots and those unknown spots. And so I wanna start with unknown, the fourth area of our lives. I wanna start with the unknown parts of our lives because there are things about you that you don't know about yourself yet that nobody knows. Things that God has put in you, gifts and callings and talents, desires and things that he has put in you that you're not even aware of yet, but they're incredibly beautiful. A lot of you know that uh, I love to write. I don't just love to write, I feel called to write. I feel like it's something that God uh, created me to do. And, and, and so I've, I've written a couple of books. I'm working on another one right now. I love to write blogs. I love to, to write. I feel like it's a way that I, 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 I communicate. And, but if you were to go back and you were to find any of my high school teachers and you were to say, hey, did you know that Jason loves to write? He's written some books, like he feels called to write. They would not believe you. Because of all the people in my high school class that would have possibly written anything, I was on the bottom of the list. I don't mean to brag, but I graduated with a pretty impressive 1.8 GPA, okay? And, um, and, and it was only by the grace of God, my mother's prayer and a guidance counselor who stalked me that I was able to to get through high school, and we can talk about that later, but I never even finished reading a book until I was 19 years old. I don't say those things to brag because it's actually pretty terrible, but there were, like, there were things that God had in me that I had no idea were in me, and nobody else even really did either. I was thinking as I was working on this message about those times when God will use people to encourage you and call out things in you that maybe you were unaware of or maybe an area of your life where you need someone to build you up. I was thinking about when I was 15 years old, I just committed my life to Jesus Christ uh, for real. I would say for real. Um, I grew up where like you got saved like a hundred times, but this was the time that it was for real. And, um, and I had this paperback student Bible that I just loved and um, and inside of the Bible were all of these yellow notepad sheets of paper that were just stuffed in there because I had recently committed my life to Christ. I was passionate about Jesus. I was falling in love with the Bible. And anytime I would read something that stood out to me or you know, I felt like I was understanding or had questions about it or whatever, I would write it on these 
ripped up sheets of paper and just shove them in my Bible. So over the accumulation of this, like just this nasty paperback Bible with all these papers sticking out. And my dad ran these summer camps every year. And I remember one night at the summer camp, we were sitting in the staff housing and I was playing a game of spades with some of my friends. And my Bible was sitting on a chair beside me. And one of the older pastors who was working the camp, his name was Michael Farr. He's he's passed away since then. But one of the older pastors walked in, Pastor Michael Farr, and he saw my Bible sitting on the chair. And, And remember, I'm 15. I'm a terrible student. I'm not even sure if I'm gonna graduate Uh, I have no confidence really in my ability to read and interpret anything, comprehend anything. And he walks in and he sees my Bible and he says, Jason, what is, what are the, what's all these notes? I said, well, that's, you know, anytime I read something and I just, I don't know, I just want to write it down. And he said, would you mind if I read some of the notes? And I I said, sure, yeah, that's fine. And he picked up the Bible and he started flipping through and he would take out a note and he would read it and he kept reading. About five minutes later, he had read all the notes in, in, in my Bible. And he closed the Bible and he looked at me and he said, Jason, these are really good. Now, you need to know, they were not really good, okay? Like, they were not really good. They were, they were raw and first drafts and 15 years old and newly saved. But he was not looking for what was wrong with them. He was looking for what was right with them. And so he looked at me and said, Jason, these are really good. Like, there's some thoughts in here that I've never even thought about. Like, you saw that in a different way or whatever. He said, man, keep it up. Don't stop. And I remember as a 15-year-old kid sitting there feeling so encouraged and in a way kind of validated, like, well, man, if Pastor Michael Farr thinks that was kind of good, then, oh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something there. Well, that same week at that camp, there was a youth pastor who was working there. And in a conversation that we were having, I said to him, I said, listen, I don't know, you know, I've just recently committed my life to Jesus, but I think maybe I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I don't know, but like, I just think maybe I'm supposed to be a pastor. And he said, well, why don't you come preach for my youth group this Wednesday night? And I'm like, this Wednesday night? He's like, yeah, just come on. I'm like, okay. He's like, preach on whatever you want. And so we went to that Wednesday night to his youth group. It was about 20 kids in this room. And I was supposed to speak for 30 minutes. And I said everything I knew about the Bible in 12 minutes. It was all I had. Like, that's how long the sermon was. All I knew about the Bible was a 12-minute sermon. And it wasn't good. I'm so glad there's not a recording of that anywhere. But, I, but I'll never forget that night that Bobby and his wife, Holly, took me to O'Charlie's. And they sat me down. And they could have given me 100 pieces of constructive criticism. But I don't remember them giving me one. Maybe they did, but I don't remember it. They just said, like, man, Jason, that was so good. It's obvious God has his hand on your life. And it's obvious he's, he's using you. That's so great. Don't stop, man. Keep it up. Now, listen, I'm not telling you these stories to pat myself on the back. I would be willing to bet that you've had experiences and times in your life where people encouraged you. I hope you've had some of those experiences. I'm not telling you this to pat myself on the back. What, I, what I'm telling you is that, is that I have experienced firsthand the, the power of God using a person to encourage and to call out in me things that either I didn't know was there or maybe I was starting to think possibly maybe, whoa, that's a crazy idea. And God was, was beginning to, to maybe identify and encourage that. The Bible would describe this by using a word called prophecy. And there again, depending on your background, the word prophecy or prophets, like, wow. But the, but, but the definition of prophecy is really just speaking on behalf of God about something that's to come. It's, it's, it's an encouraging word or it's something about 
something that is to come. And so there are times in your life where God wants to speak through you to somebody to just say like, hey, you are a great mom. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but you are a great mom and you're doing a great job and God's gonna do incredible things through your kids and you hang in there. Like you, you are prophesying in a way and encouraging in a way to somebody and God is speaking through you. And there is a, there's a story that is a great example of this in 1 Samuel chapter nine. It's about a guy who's a young man. His name is Saul. And there's an older man and his name is Samuel. And Saul was from a non-important family. He had no claim to anything great, but God had something great in store for Saul. And he wants to tell him through Samuel. And it's in chapter nine, verse 15. It'll be up on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible, but this is what it says in verse 15. It says, now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Just stop real quick. It's not the point of the message, but how cool is that? Would that not be amazing in your prayer time with God for you to feel like you experience God saying, listen, tomorrow at 1130, you're gonna have lunch with somebody and here's what I want you to tell them. Would that not be amazing? Well, he could do it. He says, by this time tomorrow, I'm gonna send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines for I've looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. Which again, is just so cool. Like, how amazing would that be? Like you're just walking through the mall or what? Does anybody go to the mall anymore? I don't know, but you're, you're walking through wherever you're at and God's like them, them. And somebody, maybe he's saying that to somebody about you. And, uh, and so then uh, Saul approached Samuel and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is, which is just another way of saying I'm looking for the prophet. He was looking for Samuel. So Saul is looking for Samuel and has no idea that God is already talking to Samuel about Saul. And Samuel is looking for Saul and Saul has no idea that Samuel, that God has already been speaking to Samuel. So, so you see this amazing intersection that is about to happen the way that God normally does it. Samuel said, that's me. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We'll eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you need to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys. That's what Saul was looking for. Uh, They've been found. And here's, here's the important part. And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. And Saul replied, this is that unknown part. Saul replied, I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family's the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? This is a perfect example of God speaking through a person to call out and identify and encourage and prophesy something that someone can't even see in themselves. Maybe today as you hear me talking about this, there's a part of you that feels like Saul. I want everybody to look at me and I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. God's plans for your life regardless of who you are, where you are, what you've done, no matter how low you've lowered the bar in your life, please hear me, that God has greater plans and greater things in your life than you can imagine. This is not some story that is singular to Saul, that this is true for all of us, that there are great things inside of you that you don't even know about yet. And God will find somebody and moments through a friend or a pastor, or a spiritual leader, sometimes a stranger, 
to identify and call out those things. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is the first point, is that God uses people to confirm things. That God uses people to confirm things. Doesn't have to be spooky, weird, mystical. He just uses people to confirm things. And you can be in a conversation with somebody and they could say, you know, it's just so amazing because I was thinking about this the other day and da 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 And you're listening and you're going, wow, thank you, God. Because I was praying about that or doubting that or worrying about that or was unsure about that. And God uses somebody to confirm something. But he also uses people in another way, not just confirming. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, God uses people to confront things. Now listen, everybody in the room wants God to send somebody to encourage us. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll take a couple of those, God. If you just send me some encouragers, you know, just call out great gifts in me. That would be so amazing. Nobody really ever wants God to send anybody to confront things in our life. But he does. He does. And this is that blind spot area of our life that we all have, and everybody has blind spots. If you don't think you have blind spots, you have just identified your blind spot. Because everybody's got blind spots. And God will speak through someone else to get our attention or to confront something in us when he's been trying to get our attention, but we haven't been paying attention. We haven't been listening. God will always deal with you about you before he gets anybody else involved. But if you won't pay attention because he loves you so much, he'll bring somebody else in the fold to build you, to strengthen you, And to help you, not to embarrass you, but to help you. And so this almost always confrontation, God using someone to confront us, has to do with compromise or disobedience. And if we keep reading a few more chapters in the story of 1 Samuel, we're going to see this very same thing happen. It's in chapter 15. So you go six more chapters over, same guy, Saul, same guy, Samuel. But the difference now is that Saul had gone from doubting himself to praising himself. He liked himself some salt, and God had had enough of it. And so in 1 Samuel 15, starting with verse 10, here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my commands. And Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. And I think this is a great place to stop and say, I know most of us in the room are terrified at the idea that God would ever want to speak through us, but some of us in the room, like, it does excite us, this thought. And I love this verse because it reminds me that anytime God wants to speak through me to deal with a tough area of somebody's life or to confront something in someone's life or to bring up something that's going to be challenging or difficult, it should not give me this sick pleasure. It should break me. It should keep me up all night praying It should keep me up all night pleading to God on their behalf. Like I should, it should crush me that there is something happening in someone's life that needs to be confronted. If if we say around here all the time that if, if, if there's something going on and I really wanna say something, that's a great sign that I shouldn't because my heart's not right. But if there's something going on in someone's life that I care about and I really don't wanna say it, that's the indication that I should say it because now my heart's in the right place. And so we see that happening. And then verse 12, it says, early the next morning, Samuel went 
to find Saul. He went to find Saul. These are not fun conversations to have, but they're necessary. We have to have them. We have to have them. And there are times when we have blind spots in our life that will cause us to crash if, if someone does not confront us or God does not use someone to confront us. And he'll send somebody. Could be a one-on-one conversation. Could be a sermon. Could be any voice in your life. And I would be willing to bet that all of us in the room have experienced this. You were talking to someone who, was caring, who cared about you or, or you were sitting in a service and God was using a sermon that was being spoken or something and you felt God speaking to you. Stop, turn around, make the change, confess, whatever it is, you know that God was speaking to you. Some of you right now as I'm speaking, like you know that's happening to you right now identifying those areas in our life where we need to adjust or to change. And he always does it because he loves us. He always does it because he loves us. God speaks to people to speak to us and he uses their words to confront and confirm things in our life that are needed. Here's the question. Who has permission to speak into your life and tell you things that you don't like to hear? It's a question you gotta answer today. Who has permission? Who have you given permission to to speak into your life even if you don't want to hear what they have to say? Now listen, I don't wanna sound like the grumpy old man sitting on the front porch telling everybody to get off his lawn, okay? But there has been a shift in our culture and in our society that we really don't want to be confronted, constructively criticized, uh, coached. And so now when a coach says about our kid that they're not in the starting lineup because there's an area of their game that they need to work on, we don't then say to our kid, you need to listen to your coach because there's something really, he's trying to help you and make you better. We say, well, we're quitting and we'll find a coach who sees his talent. So we bounce around and find another coach or another league or another team because how dare they say our kid's not good enough? Well, maybe he's not good enough, but he could be or she could be if they got some coaching. A friend in our life speaks up and says, hey, listen, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not trying to like be mean. I got my own issues, but I feel like in the last 10 years I've known you, you used to drink a little bit. Now I feel like you drink all the time. And I feel like you're just always drunk and just messed up. And I'm worried about you. We are not usually the kind of people to go, thank you so much for your concern. I have been asking God to send someone who cares about me enough to confront me in this area of my life. We immediately get defensive and say, look who got holier than everybody else. What, 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 you don't got issues? Well, no, I, we can talk about my issues if we need to talk about my issues. I do have issues. I'm just worried about you. We push them out of our life and then we find people who don't really think there's a problem with anything going on in our life. And so we don't wanna be confronted in any of those areas. A pastor speaks up and says, hey, I'm worried about the fact that you're taking this job that is 
pulling you away from church or I'm worried about this new relationship you just got in and this person you're dating and I'm worried that maybe it's pulling you away and I'm not mad at you and I'm not trying to judge you just as your pastor. I'm trying to speak up. We don't go, I'm so glad that I have a pastor, a leader in my life who's looking out for the blind spots potentially of my life. We say, how dare you? And we go find another church where the pastor won't say anything like that. Because we don't want to be confronted. We don't want anybody to have to speak up into us. We're kind of already an expert, and so we don't want to have that happen. So who in your life has the ability to confront? Who have you given permission in your life to speak up, to say the things that you don't want to hear? Do they know they have that permission? I would encourage you to identify them and to say to them, listen, I value you. I value your relationship with Jesus. I value, I trust you. You're an encourager in my life. You look out for me. And I want you to know that you have permission to say anything you feel like you need to say if you feel like it'll help me grow. And the thing about the people that we identify who do that is once you give them permission, they'll rarely use it. They're not all all critiquing you all the time and tearing you down all the time. Usually they're encouraging you more and feel like they don't need to say anything. But because you've given them permission, they will speak up. And they'll say, hey, I I feel like I need to to say this. And I could stand up here if I had time, and you could probably stand up here and have time, and talk about all of the crucial, keystone, linchpin conversations that you've had in your life that God was using someone to say something that you needed to hear, something crucial that turned your life in a direction that it needed to be turned and so, and so who, who, who's allowed to speak up? When are you not allowed to be defensive? I wrote it down like this. Confrontation produces maturation. And one of the, most, the best signs of spiritual maturity is that you can be confronted or coached and you don't get defensive and push everybody away. So God uses people to confirm and to confront in areas of our life. But I also, just for like maybe two minutes real quick, I just wanna also flip it a little bit and talk about the fact that God wants to use you to speak into other people's lives to confirm and to confront things. So how do you do that, Jason? What, what do I do there? Well, I would just say a couple of things. I'm a rapid fire here for you. I would say, number one, no conversation is ever a coincidence. No conversation is ever a coincidence. And that if you will pay attention to the conversations that you're having and have your antennas up, you will recognize that more times than you thought, God is putting you in position to speak to somebody on his behalf. No conversation is a coincidence. I would also tell you that you need to listen with both ears, one ear to what the person you're talking to is saying and the other ear to what maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to say. Because if you'll listen, you gotta shut up long enough to listen, but if you'll listen then, then the, the, the most supernatural, non-mystical thing will begin to happen in that conversation where you will feel as if you need to say something. You'll feel as if you need to say something. So you need to listen with both ears. I would, I would challenge you to always question your motives. Are you just trying to be, are you just being critical? Are you jealous? Do you not want to say it so you need to or do you really want to say it and get you kind of giddy excited like, oh, I can't wait to tell them that? You're not the person for the job. You don't need to do that. And then the last thing I would tell you is it's okay to not be sure. 
that when it comes to the supernatural parts of our life and God speaking through us and even God speaking to us, like it's okay to not know what to do with it. It's okay to not be sure. I read this recently and I'm totally stealing it. Um, But they said that um, when they are talking to somebody about feeling as if God wants them to say something to someone, they'll preface it by saying this. On a scale of one to 10, if 10 is God and one is Jason, this is like a three or a four. Just to give, just to say like, I, I don't know exactly, I'm not playing the God card here, but I am feeling as if I need to say this. And there have been times in my life where people have come to me and say, hey, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And they'll tell me and I'll think, I don't think that's God, possibly. I'll just sit it to the side and see what happens. There are other times where I've been praying or maybe this has happened to you and I'm real big about writing stuff down. So I'll be praying and I'll think like, that seems strange. Why would I need to say that? Or that, that's not, that doesn't even sound like something they would need to hear. And so I'll just write it down. And then lo and behold, four, six, 10 months later, we'll be in a conversation. I'll say, it's just so weird because I've just been feeling like this and that. And I'll go, hold on one second. Like seven months ago, I was praying. And I know this is gonna sound so strange and I'm not playing the God card. This is like a six on a scale of one to 10. I don't know, but this is what I feel like maybe you need to hear. Crying, working through it. Because it's a reminder that God loves us so much that he would go through the trouble of trying to get our attention through his word. And if that doesn't work, he would send someone to us to speak to us. And that doesn't have to freak us out. Doesn't have to make us weird. Doesn't have to make us one of those churches. It's just, God, I'm in relationship with you. And every other person in my life that I'm in relationship with We're texting and talking and communicating all the time. So God, if it's all right with you, I'd like to have that kind of relationship with you. And he will do it. He's dying to do it. He's just waiting on you to listen. He'll speak to you and he'll speak through you. Let's pray.